0: so we've been taken down a, uh, a portrait gallery of faith really in the um, 11th chapter of Hebrews we had quite a big collection last week and that was Abraham and we move on now to three smaller ones uh, quite connected to each other one after the other And in three short verses, in verses 20 to 22, we travel actually through three generations. We looked at Abraham last time, the father of all those who have faith, and uh, this time we look briefly at his son, grandson and great-grandson. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph three main characters of the second half of the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. And all three are examples of faith. So you see the way the verses start. We're getting used to this, aren't we? Verse 20, by faith, Isaac. 21, by faith, Jacob. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph. We have three more Faith boosters, that's the way we're looking at this series as we're going through it these Sunday mornings. And so as we're on the theme of faith, can I just ask some questions to get you thinking, uh, see what your answer is in your mind to these. Uh, You can answer all of them, yes, if that's correct, that sort of question. Are you a person of faith? Man of faith, woman of faith, boy of faith, girl of faith. Are you a person of faith? Your trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Saviour. Are you a person of faith? Secondly, are you a person of struggling faith? A person of struggling faith. Difficulties, setbacks, things to puzzle through, may well be. Thirdly, are you a person of growing faith? Despite the setbacks, the difficulties, the puzzles, there is a growth in your faith, your belief, your trust. Fourthly, are you a person of enduring faith? A person of enduring faith. Is your faith lasting and going on? These are people of faith. The people we're looking at this week were also included last week to some extent. That's why they had the Abraham and Co, or one of the reasons we gave it that title. You see that Isaac and Jacob are mentioned in verse 9 with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise of faith. And some of the things that were said there of Abraham were included of them as well. Because it says in verse 13, these all died in faith. These all died in faith not having received the things promised. So our title, if we had it up, is actually that Bible quote: "These all died in faith." So, but you can picture it there; it's nicely in gold writing: "These all died in faith." There was a, a picture of a, a tombstone, but with a sunset behind it, and there were four points that are going to follow on. These three portraits, then. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph are to stir our faith. There's big differences between them, they're from the same family line but they're, they're quite different, different in their travels, in their character, in their occupation but they were all people of faith. And there are certain themes which are in these three verses so we're not actually going to take it sort of one character at a time I'm going to draw out four Themes which I think are, are here implied in these three verses which were true of them all. And the first thread I want to draw out and get you to think about would have been the season of their faith. The season of their faith. Now, this writer had their whole life to draw on and uh, for some of them it was a pretty full and rich life. But for each of them he takes something near the end of their life let's take them in in reverse order the great grandson Joseph verse 22 and it says by faith Joseph at the end of his life let's take the grandson Jacob verse 21 it says by faith Jacob when dying We come back to the son, Isaac, it doesn't actually spell it out here in this verse but if we were to go to the main chapter that it's uh, going back towards which is Genesis 27, it starts like this When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see he called Esau, his older son, and said to him and so the chapter begins Oh wonderful, praise God for electricity (laughs) In a bit we get the things to up, but uh, I'll keep pressing on until that moment. It comes up in verse 13, our key verse, which is these all died in faith. So it's getting them to think about the season at the end of their life. Now perhaps you are around that season of life. You are in the older years, you are in the later years and it's great if you are a person of faith I've been to quite a range of old people's homes uh, over the years I'm thankful for the care that goes on in the different homes and and so forth but I've often known quite a distinction between those that were faith-based homes and those that were more general and although it's not always perfect in the faith-based homes you had people who were there, had an outlook of faith which made a big difference to the atmosphere of the home than was often the case in the other homes. Latter years in faith. In fact, there's an organisation called Faith in Later Life. Faith in Later Life. And I I want those of you who are here, who are in the latter stages of life, or think you probably are, to be people of faith that's the bit to remember (laughs) I want those who come to our first Tuesday to be people of faith I want those who are in my neighbourhood who are older to be people of faith in the older years facing death itself it's so wonderful to have a faith in God his promises and his mercy we will all die unless Jesus comes again, before that time. And it's so much better to approach the latter years in faith, like these, to all die in faith. In fact, it makes an eternal difference according to Jesus. Jesus says in John 3 and verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So if you're around that season of life, then be encouraged to be a person of faith. But lest we think that this is just a speech this morning towards those of us who are getting a little bit greyer, those who are in the, the, in the, the, the later years, Let's think, why does the writer do this why does he do this at this time are the Hebrews an older persons group is this a, the over 50's club I can say that I'm over 50 now so I'm, I'm not being rude to you lot is this the over 50's club that he's writing to no he's, he's telling them of different ages this because he wants their faith to be an enduring faith and to last to that season If you're in that season, have that faith. But have a faith which will last to that season. The patriarch's faith lasted. And so in this little snapshot, he zooms right into the end of their life and as if he says it was still there at the very end, the season of the end of their life, they still were people of strong faith. A faith rarely starts at the end of life sometimes it does, you think of the dying thief those who die in faith it's usually the product the culmination, the growth hopefully of a faith which started earlier in life so don't leave it till later in life at the season you are in now be, seek to be a person of faith so I'd like everyone here, I'd love everyone here as they came to the end of their lives to be people who, whom they were dying in faith that's wonderful but I'd like it for everyone here to get to that point because it's a culmination of a life of faith Now, maybe your faith is being tested now in different ways in different strains different stretches look at these three chaps in the Bible and see that their faith was still there growing, indeed glowing, at the end of their life. Seek a faith that lasts. An enduring faith is encouraged in the next chapter. This is where it's building up to. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all in chapter 11, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance, key word, with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So still be running the race of faith as you reach the finishing tape. You haven't reached the age or the stage yet of uh, Isaac or Jacob or Joseph. But when you do, still be strong in faith. Keep going. So there's something about the season of their faith picked out here. Thank you for getting that up. And we can go on to the second which is the reason for their faith. Don't worry, we're not going to have easons all the way through. I don't think there are four easons that I could pick on. But secondly, we do move on to the reason for their faith. What was behind their faith? Were they just sort of positive sort of people? Uh, Were they just uh, people who had a tradition that they felt they wanted to sort of further and keep going? No, they're Their heart was alive with the promise of God. God had revealed things to them. God revealed things to Abraham, we saw that, but he also revealed actually the promise to Isaac and to Jacob. They had been revealed things and God had made promises in their direction. Actually it's a, ver- a word we perhaps I should have picked out a bit more last week or I want to from last week's passage. If you cast your eyes, if you've got a Bible app or a Bible open you'll see in verse 9 of Hebrews 11 this word promise, the land of promise. Again in verse 9, heirs with him of the same promise. And you see it in verse 11. Him considered him faithful who had promised. And you see it in verse 13, not having received the things promised at that stage. Verse 17, by faith Abraham and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. The three men we're looking at this week Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph were people who had the promise of God living in their hearts. It was the reason for their faith. They weren't just plucking things out of the air. They were just a wishful thinking type. They had something firm which they grasped. And if you to look at the accounts, you see in in Genesis. Uh, of Isaac and Jacob you, you see Isaac referring to the promise see that in chapter 28 we might read those verses in a bit you see Jacob conscious of the promise in Genesis 48 you see it, let's see it in Joseph we, we had these verses read to us I want to go back to them at the end of Genesis where you have what Joseph says verse 24 of the last book of last chapter of the book of Genesis. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore, he he promised to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. You see, it's what God had said that gave them such confidence they knew God was faithful, they knew God was reliable and if God had said, it would happen he'd made promises to Abraham, we looked at those four last week of the different things, he'd repeated it to Isaac and to Jacob and it was alive in their hearts of course it will happen, God has said the reason for the faith was the promise of God If you're heading off to an event, maybe a match or a a concert or something that you want to go to, I expect you go much more settled if you have a ticket, an authorised ticket. If you're going to head to a match or a concert, a popular one, without it, you're very unlikely to get in and you feel very uncertain as you approach. But you've got, if you like, the promise of a seat. It's in your wallet. It's in you. It's in, you got it, or it's on your app, as it might be these days. And you know you've got a place, so you're settled because of the guarantee that has been given you. Well, these had God's promise, and it gave them confidence. They were settled as they went forward. It says in Hebrews ten twenty three this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he is he who promised is faithful. The faithfulness of God is our confidence, his promises, his word. And you think of what Jesus said, those who believe (coughs) have everlasting life. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He that comes to me, I will never, never cast away. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ, promises to catch hold of, to live by, to have living in your heart. I if you come across the song from the breaking of the dawn, from the breaking of the dawn to the setting of the sun, I will stand on every promise of your word words of power strong to save that will never pass away I will stand on every promise of your word for your covenant is sure and on this I am secure I can stand on every promise of your word when I stumble and I sin condemnation pressing in I will stand on every promise of your word you are faithful to forgive That in freedom I might live, so I stand on every promise of your word. Guilt to innocence restored, you remember sins no more, so I'll stand on every promise of your word. When I'm faced with anguished choice, I will listen for your voice and I'll stand on every promise of your word. Through this dark and troubled land, you will guide me with your hand as I stand on every promise of your word. And you've promised to complete every work begun in me, so I'll stand on every promise of your word. The reason for their faith. And then we come thirdly to the um, display of their faith the display of their faith. Now here it gets interesting. I especially love the last one. especially love the last one. So, the faith, God's promise in their heart, but in each of these instances it shows, comes out, works outwards, it influences others. It's displayed, that their faith is displayed in all three of these cases. It showed in blessing. The first couple showed in blessing. So Isaac blessed his two sons. That's what we're told in verse 20 by faith. Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. So this blessing is quite a, an interesting idea to us really. That he passed on words to them But not just well wishing words, they're actually words which have um, effect and which shape their future. Really, just passing on God's words, but in a very public way. This is what's going to happen in your life. Blesses them. Blesses Esau. Blesses Jacob. And uh, Genesis 27 is just full of this blessing. If you track through that chapter, so so much about this blessing that's going to be passed on. And in the chapter we we might expect it to go to Esau, he's the oldest of the two twins and Rebekah and Jacob are scheming to try and make sure it doesn't go that way and God's overruling sovereignty is that it's not going to go that way and the blessing is given to Jacob, blind Isaac blesses Jacob instead of Esau with the main blessing, sometimes people of faith don't get everything right sometimes they're not always in tune with God Isaac wasn't fully in tune with God in the way in which he uh, passed on these blessings but nevertheless the blessing itself was an act of faith God will bless these descendants and he passes it on very publicly he repeats it then in Genesis 28, 2-3 let me just read that where he says to Jacob tells him to go onwards tells him where to go and uh, get blessing and God almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples may he give the blessing of Abraham to you and your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham so Isaac Man of faith blesses his sons. Showed in blessing with him. Showed in blessing by Jacob, our middle one. He blessed each of his sons. There were a lot of them. Included Judah, showing that the kingly line would be through Judah, which it was. Jesus was born from the line of Judah. But it included Joseph's sons. He was... Deliberately crossing his hands when he blessed them, it puzzled Joseph, but Jacob was now more in tune with God and his purposes, and he'd learnt the lesson, and it was a display of faith. God's blessing would go to these lads in a certain way. He, they displayed their faith. The old man didn't just say, Well, I, I keep my thoughts private. Um, I don't want all the drama of this blessing business. Um, no, in his faith, in God's promise, he knew they knew they needed to pass on that blessing in a public way, a demonstration of faith that God would bless those descendants. So it showed in blessing, but but this, it showed in bones. It showed in bones. Now. Bones and skeletons get a bit hijacked, don't they, at this time of year, as something to promote fear. But here we have the idea of skulls, bones, skeleton, and it's to promote faith, to promote faith. Now bones here promoting faith. I think have bones and rooted a bit of overlap here. But here we have bones to promote faith. Interesting, it is interesting, isn't it? Joseph lived a, a rich life. You know, his dreams are made public you know, these days in, in the musicals that are around. You think of uh, his time in, in slavery. You think of the way his brother's treated him. You you think of the, the scandal that he was accused of. You think of the fact that he was in prison. You think that he became Prime Minister of Egypt. What a rich life. So here you are. Give me one verse on Joseph. Let's pick out one thing to demonstrate his faith. What he says at the end of his life about his bones. That's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? I am not understand. What was the big thing about his bones? He was prime minister. He was in prison. What was, he had these dreams. What's the big thing about his about his bones? Verse 22. By faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. At the end of his life, Joseph was so convinced that the promised land, which they weren't in then, would be given, because God had promised it to Abraham, that he wanted his bones to be carried and buried there. It will happen. We will get there. And as an ongoing statement of this fact, I want you to take my bones when he's died. I Box his bones up he could have probably been in a, a, a pyramid he was, the, he was the, the Prime Minister of Egypt but no, no I want you to keep my bones and to take them, carry them with them because you will get there and it was a constant reminder to the generations that, that followed that God's purpose could be Trusted. So, what have we got? What do we need to take? What do we need to look at? Oh, yeah, we have got that box of Joseph's bones. Do you remember that old man who trusted God's promise and thought we would get to the land? You know, we got a. So times have changed now. Uh, they're in. They're still in Egypt, but they're now oppressed. The, the decades have passed. They're slaves in Egypt. Deliverance comes by God. They've got to escape and uh, they're in a rush. Uh, It's the Passover night if you know about that. Uh, And what mustn't we forget as we head out of Egypt? Moses, don't forget Joseph's bones. And he didn't in Exodus 13 and verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear saying God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Deliverance, they're out. They travel through the desert. Moving camp. No nomads Right, we've got to go up, up sticks and move on. God is directing us onwards. Make sure you've got Make sure you've got the box of Joseph's bones. That's got to come. And every time it's believed in God's promise, we will get into the, God will visit us, deliver us, he's done that, we will get to the promised land. Decades, in fact, a, a few hundred years. And they're in the land that God has promised to them in Canaan, and it's come true. And what do we read at the end of that book of the Bible, Joshua, about what happens in Joshua 24, verse 32. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem. And the piece of land that Jacob brought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And became an inheritance to the descendants of Joseph. Bones that promote faith. <laughs> well we, we don't bless in the same way that they blessed conscious of God's direction in people's lives that we pass on. We don't give instructions about our bones in the same way that they did. But our faith in God's promises can be Stated, it can be out there, it doesn't just have to be in here. It can be said, it can be said to our children and to our grandchildren. Do your children know that you're a believer? Do they ever hear words of faith from your lips? Can you encourage them in some way by displaying your confidence in God's word? You might start small, you just mention something that was mentioned in the service in a situation. Perhaps you start to give thanks for food in recognition of God's kindness. Uh, Maybe you mention a Bible verse that's been special to you and if you're not used to speaking it feels a big thing. But, But the faith should be out there, it should be displayed. The faith of older people can have a tremendous impact on younger people. Faith displayed. It's funny, I had this morning, I had an email, and uh, the email referred, because somebody passed away, the email referred uh, to uh, when uh, Doris Bishop, uh, you know Doris Bishop here, uh, passed away, and Ron, her husband, uh, at the funeral, and uh, at the burial. He, he, he really said, she's, she's not down there over the grave, she's not down there, and he lifted up his stick pointing upwards. She's up there. She's going to be with Christ. Display of faith and courage. So that somebody wrote to me about it this morning. Well, you may not be like uh, Ron Bishop. Most of us aren't in terms of how sort of outgoing we are. But your faith be displayed. It was displayed in their hearts, demonstrated out. We look lastly at the prospect of their faith the prospect of their faith, what lay ahead of them. There were good things ahead of them. People of faith are people with prospects. If you're a person of faith, man of faith, woman of faith, boy of faith, girl of faith, you're a person with prospects. Now in one sense it was the land, they knew they were going for the land that God was going to give to them, they would inherit, they have many descendants and they had that in mind. But it's clear from the verses we had, especially last week, that... um, they saw beyond just that land. More than the literal land of Canaan, the promised land, they saw beyond that. It comes out in some of the phrases in 13 to 16. Let me just mention three phrases briefly. These are your prospects if you're a person of faith. A city whose builder and maker is God. Verse 9, by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the, to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I had a city ahead. Was it Jerusalem? Jerusalem has a big feature in the Old Testament. But it points to something beyond that. In Pilgrim's Progress they talk about the celestial city, In Revelation, heaven is pictured as a city. A city is a great place for weary travellers looking for stability, looking for provision, looking for companionship. A city. A city is ahead of you. A city designed by God. A city given by God you'll be secure there, you have all your need there, there'll be good relationships there, there'll be useful occupation, there'll be a, a good leader. By faith our fathers roamed the earth with the power of his promise in their hearts of a holy city built by God's own hand, a place where peace and justice reign. Believer, you're heading for a city, it's not a city break, it's not a sort of temporary weekend away. It is to the eternal city. The eternal city is not Rome. It's glory. And that's where you're heading. A city whose builder and maker is God. It is a homeland. It is a homeland. Verses 13 and 14. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Home wasn't Mesopotamia, home wasn't Canaan. They knew that there was a better homeland. And there was a better homeland for you, believer. One of the things that I find um, I like to say sometimes to people when I visit them when they're older years and you can tell understandably they're very worried about where they're going to be living how much longer can I, can I cope in my own home compassion is a big issue isn't it i lived there for years love it, familiar don't want uncertainty am I going to be put in a, a residential home which one is going to be I, you can't plan these things sometimes you, you're not quite sure where, where's my home going to be and, and sometimes what I like to say to them is don't remember your final home remains unchanged. Your final ho- whatever uncertainty on route, your final hope will stay the same. A city, a homeland, a better country. Verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Do you ever think about what country you'd like to most visit? I sometimes have these discussions, maybe it's Canada, America, Niagara Falls, Grand Canyon, Mm. Norway Fjords perhaps, India with its culture maybe. Perhaps you've never gone outside the UK, you feel a bit deprived. Believe me, you've got a better country. A better country. How is it better? Better company. Better conduct, better health, better mental health, better relationships, better service, better environment, better mood, better emotions, better view of God, better security, better peace, better joy, you have a better country, the prospect of their faith. Sometimes when somebody's unwell we say we might say to a medical person what's their prospects? They can pull through, what's their prospects? What's it going to be like, what's their prospects? For a believer, what's their prospects? Wonderful. A better country. A heavenly city. The homeland. That's where people of faith go. Seek to be a person of faith and endure in your faith. Amen. Well, we've got a, a song.